0: Well today we come to the finish line and as we think about this message on forgiveness listen to these words from the Apostle Paul to a group of believers in Ephesus apply to you and me. He is to be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. Is forgiveness a command or is it optional? Here's what Paul said to the believers in Colossae. He said these words, he said, If one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. If we're going to come to the finish line and come to the finish line well, then we're going to have to understand the favor of God, but also the reality of forgiveness. I was a student at Belmont University, and, and it was an honor to graduate from there. The Lord showed his favor on my life in many ways to be able to go to school there and be able to graduate One of the classes that uh, I needed to be able to graduate was college algebra. In high school, I had basic math. That's all I needed to graduate in high school, so I'd never had algebra before. And so I literally went semester after semester after semester and put that class off until the last semester when I was going to graduate. And so I go into class and I sit down in the seat. The professor goes over the syllabus, and I knew I was in trouble. And so when when the class was over, I went up to her and I told her my predicament and I said, I've waited to the very end to take this class and listening to what you have to say and my understanding of algebra, I think I'm in trouble. And here's what she said, I think you're in trouble too. Uh, That's not super comforting when you're trying to graduate. But I did say this, I said, I will give you 110% in this class if you'll work with me. And she said, I promise you this, if you come to class, you take notes and you listen to the to the instruction, and uh you 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 know, give the best that you can, or you're going to be fine and fine meant I was going to graduate. I was okay with that somewhat. well, I'd go to class and I would sit in class, and she would lecture and go over different things and then uh, when class was about over she'd she'd say to me, she said, "Can you stay after class?" I said, "Sure, so I'd stay after class, and the professor would say, "You had no clue what I was talking about today, did you I said, "No clue at all." And so she would work with me and work on that. And then we would have an examination and I would take the examination and she would give the test back in class. And then when she came to me, she said, are you OK if you stay after class for a little bit? Absolutely. Be glad to do that. And then she would come up to me after class. So all the students are gone. And she said, you did not do very well. And she said, but I want to help you. And so she worked with me through that. Angie is an incredible math student. So she was able to help me through that journey as well. And when the semester was over, I passed the class, received an A for the class because I promised her I'd give 110%. And so when I think about that between the professor and how Angie helped, I experienced the grace and the favor of God in a tremendous way. Joseph. Uh, Joseph lived his life with a lot of peaks and a lot of valleys. Joseph lived his life with the favor of God in his life, the grace of God on his life. He was very handsome to the eye, God's hand was on his life, and God used him in incredible ways. But you know the story of Joseph. Favoritism by his father, rejection by his brothers, false allegations by Potiphar's wife, cast into prison, prison, even forgotten in prison. And Joseph knew the peaks, but he also knew the valleys of life if there was anyone who understood maybe he could go through life with a spirit of anger bitterness and resentment maybe it was joseph he could resent his brothers he could resent other people he could be angry with them maybe for somebody who just had a spirit of unforgiveness could have been joseph but the interesting part of joseph's life he did not go through life angry bitter resentful or with an unforgiving spirit joseph as you read his story from genesis 37 all the way through the end of the book he has a very tender compassionate heart toward other people around him even the very ones who hurt him he still had a compassionate tender heart to them and so i want to give you just four words here they're not going to be on your outline but as you think about unforgiveness As we gather in worship, and let's say we just go, I'm not going to forgive him, I'm not going to forgive her, I'm going to go through life with a spirit of unforgiveness. And if we do that even as a church, maybe we look back over the last number of years, things happened in this church where there were some words spoken or some actions taken, maybe they've never been dealt with, maybe forgiveness has never been extended. What does a spirit of unforgiveness do? In our lives personally, but also in the body of Christ, his church. Let me give you these four words. First word, dishonors. When there is a spirit of unforgiveness, it dishonors the Lord. As we're going to see in this message, forgiveness is not a suggestion, it's a command of God. And so when we have a spirit of unforgiveness toward brothers and sisters in Christ, it dishonors our Lord, who gave His life on a cross and shed His blood for our forgiveness, as the Bible says, because you've been forgiven in Christ, you should forgive others. Second word divides it dishonors the Lord, but it divides god's people. How many spiritual relationships are divided because of a spirit of unforgiveness? How many churches are divided this morning because of a spirit of unforgiveness? It divides the people of God. Third word, drives. What do I mean? It drives away lost people. When God's people are unwilling to forgive one another, put differences aside, handle them in the ways of Christ, it drives away lost people because division is not attractive to people who don't know Christ. They want to see unity and love and togetherness. Drives lost people away. Fourth word, delights. When there is a spirit of unforgiveness among God's people, guess who delights in that? It's the enemy, the devil himself. And so I want to challenge us as we come to the finish line of this sermon series. As we think about this message, when we think about forgiveness, again, if we don't forgive one another, and we go through life with a spirit of unforgiveness... We're dishonoring the Lord. We're dividing the people of God. We're driving away people who are lost without Christ. And we're giving delight to the devil, the enemy. And I don't want him to delight in anything. So we think about this message on forgiveness. Again, I want to encourage you to take good notes here today. I'm going to share some biblical truths, some illustrations, application of this text to our lives. And then I pray for the invitation today that the Lord would set many of us free. And we could go to someone or make a a commitment to go to someone and find a spirit of forgiveness out of this prison that we're in and be free and move forward as the Lord Jesus desires us to do. Look at number one. Forgiveness is dear to God's heart. As you and I think about the story of Joseph, it's a story about forgiveness. As I think back over my life and pastoral ministry for 30-something years, I can share with you this. I'm going to be transparent with you this morning. I can share this with you. I've had many, many people hurt me in life and in ministry. I've had many people say words that hurt. I've had many people that I thought were supporters at one point turn their back and walk away. Those are hard things to deal with. It hurts sometimes in ministry. And what we know is hurt people oftentimes hurt people. But also, let me say this. I realize sometimes knowingly as well as unknowingly, I have hurt other people in life and ministry as well. What about you? I received a call one day, and my assistant had said, there's a lady in the church that is trying to call you. She wants to get a hold of you. She is extremely broken broken. And when she talked to my assistant, she was weeping over the phone. And so when I had the opportunity, I was in a meeting. I called this church member back. And and I said, hey, what's wrong? My assistant said you were crying. And with a brokenness, she said, I need to ask you to forgive me. And I called her by name. I said, what in the world for? And she shared a story of where she felt like her actions had hurt Angie and me. And she needed to ask me to forgive her. Here's what I said to that sister in Christ. I said to her, I said, I did did not say to her, hey, it's no big deal, don't worry about it. The Holy Spirit had convicted her to call me and to ask me to forgive her. And I said to her, and then I prayed with her over the phone, I said, I want you to know, called her by name, I forgive you in Christ as he's forgiven us as well. Set that sister in Christ free. I want to encourage you, if somebody comes to you and says, I think my words or I think my actions have hurt you and I need to ask you to forgive me. Don't don't say that person. It's no big deal. It's all right. Don't worry about it. Look that brother or sister Christ in the eye and say, I want you to know as the Lord Jesus has forgiven me, I want you to know I forgive you as well. It sets people free. But as you and I think about this message on forgiveness, again, I've been hurt. I've hurt other people. I've asked people to forgive me. I've asked people again for forgiveness in so many different ways. When you think about what I'm talking about when it comes to forgiveness, what does the world say? Somebody hurts you, somebody wounds you, the world says, what? Get even with somebody. Look for an open door to get revenge, settle a card. You don't have to forgive that person, but you can get even with that person. When the Lord Jesus Christ was crucified on Calvary's cross before two criminals, what did he say in the context when he nails piercing his hands and feet, a crown of thorns over his head and a spear piercing his side and the precious blood of Christ was flowing? What did he say in that context? Father, give me a chance to get even with these people. Father, give me a chance to get revenge on these people. No, the Son of God and Savior of the world. Being crucified on a cross for your sins and my sins. He said, Father, what? Forgive them. And if Jesus Christ forgive and forgave the people who crucified him, you and I need to be willing to forgive the people who've hurt, wounded us in life. As we think about this, I want you to look at some things here from God's word circumstances change as you think about the story here of joseph when joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead understand when their father died jacob died circumstances changed in their lives the death of a father the death of a significant person in life is going to bring change in life i would imagine this morning when you look at your life things are changing in your life What about your life? What about your marriage? What about your family? How are things changing? Many of you would say life's changing because you're caring for aging parents. Maybe you're empty nesters. Maybe you have a son or daughter on the verge of leaving the house, going to college for the first time. Major change coming your direction. Maybe you look at financial picture of your life and things just aren't where they used to be. Things are changing in your life. So when you look at that, how do you respond to change in your personal life? I think about our church, we look around and we, we seek to bring on new staff members and we have many, many people who are joining our church. All those things bring change to the body of Christ. How do we handle change in the fellowship of our church? Maybe you look at your spiritual life and, and you look at where your life used to be and where your life now and you see change in your spiritual life, your walk with Christ. Sometimes good, sometimes not so good. Maybe you look at your life and say a month ago or a year ago, five years ago, here, here's where I was at, spears in my walk with Christ. But look how he's grown me. I'm more intimate with him. I'm in love with him more than ever. And he's doing an incredible work in my life. Or could be change has happened in your life. You're not as close to him as you used to be. You're not loving him like you once did. You're not as intimate with him as you once were. And so he has never moved in your life. You're the one who has moved. But change is happening in your spiritual life. For Joseph and his brothers, when the father died, circumstances changed. Number two, personal concerns. As you look at this text, you see change is happening. And here's what the brothers said. They said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. That was their concern. They knew they had wronged their brother. They had done evil to him. Maybe instead of forgiving us, he's going to pay us back and he's going to hate us for everything that we did to him. They were concerned about Joseph's response to them. What are you concerned about today? Uh, maybe you say you're concerned about the direction of our nation and maybe you say you're concerned about the presidential election next year maybe you're concerned about the economy what does this look like in the years down the road maybe you're eyeing retirement what is this going to mean for you in the next three to five years Uh, Maybe you look at your marriage and family and their concerns that you would be able to communicate very clearly to somebody. Maybe you look at your spiritual life and you might say, you know, if I died today, I'm just not sure I'd spend eternity in heaven. You can know that today that you'll go to heaven when this life is over. what are you concerned about? and I were in Dixon the other night having dinner with some couples in our church had a wonderful time of fellowship with them but we walked into store after store in a small town like Dixon on Main Street and we were overwhelmed at the vulgarity we saw in those stores t-shirts, other items being sold could not believe what is being sold out there with such vulgar words on a foul language is never appropriate for somebody who's a follower of Christ what brings you concern for joseph's brothers they were concerned maybe he's going to hate us maybe he's going to get even with us not thinking about forgiveness they were just concerned number three relevant request when you look at this story they had a a request and here's what the request was your father gave this command before he died say to joseph please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin Listen, they didn't make a mistake to Joseph. They sinned against Joseph. They sinned against God because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of the, of the God of your father. So here's what the request was. Joseph, would you forgive us? What is your request today? Maybe you say in life, and it's hard for men to do this, but maybe you say you need help. What a major request in your life. Maybe you need to say this morning with the conviction of the Holy Spirit on your life, you need to be saved, you're lost, you need to be forgiven. And what you would say, my request today is, Jesus, save me today. Maybe your request is that you need forgiveness and you can name the person that you need forgiveness from that person. Or maybe you would say, I just need to be set free. I'm tired of going through life, carrying this weight and having all these chains on my life. I need the forgiveness of God and I need to be set free. What is your request for those brothers? Would you forgive us? What would you say today is your request? You have to realize forgiveness is dear to the heart of God. Why? Because he gave his only begotten son to be crucified on a cross so that you and I could be forgiven it's dear to his heart many of you some of you are not going to remember this but some of you will april 19th you may remember that day what happened on that day was it was, the, it was the, the day of the oklahoma city bombing 168 people lost their lives i think there were 19 kids who lost their lives in the daycare in that federal building there was a mother who had two kids in that daycare and she lost both of her kids that day in the bombing You would say, maybe that mother could be angry, bitter, and resentful toward the McVeigh and the Nichols families because of what they did to kill so many people and even killed her two kids. But that mother, with the strength and grace of Christ, instead of being angry, bitter, and resentful, she forgave. And a remarkable story, even though she lost two kids in that bombing, She became dear friends with the McVeigh and Nichols families and she said it set her free because she had a spirit of forgiveness. What about you? Forgiveness is dear to the heart of God. Number two, forgiveness is offered for God's glory. In 1999, I think it is, Matt Redman wrote a song and the song was about the heart of worship. Uh, redmond saw in the church that he was a part of and the pastor he served with that they were worshiping the music more than they were worshiping god and so they just took a a series of weeks and maybe months and didn't really sing any music till they got their hearts right and ultimately the heart of worship says god worship is about you it's not about the music not about anything else god it's about you and that was an incredible song many of us would sing that song i'm coming back to the heart of worship lord it's about you Let me say today, when it comes to forgiveness, it is all about the Lord God as well. You're not going to be able to forgive someone on your own strength. It's going to be about the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit living his life in and through you, that you're going to be able to come to somebody who's hurt you, wounded you, and and just damaged your life in many ways and you're going to be able to forgive that person. Doesn't mean what they did is right. Doesn't mean that at all. It just means you're willing to forgive that person. It's going to take the heart of Christ to do that. Look at these statements. Number one, monumental decision. You look in this text, his brothers are right before him. Please forgive the transgressions. Please forgive the transgression of your servants. How did Joseph respond? Joseph wept when they spoke to him. He was not angry. He was not bitter. He was not resentful. When his brothers spoke, he wept over them. He had a very tender heart in life. But here's the interesting part. Maybe you're in life today. You have a monumental decision as well. Do I take the job, not take the job? Do I handle temptation my way or God's way? Do I seek revenge to get even with this person or group of people? Or do I have a spirit of forgiveness toward that person or that group of people? You have a monumental decision to make in your life. And here it was for Joseph. Joseph had his brothers in front of them who sold him into slavery, who, who rejected him in life. He had them in the palm of his hands. What was he going to do with his brothers who hurt and wounded him in life? It was a monumental decision for Joseph. Number two, contagious surrender. When you look at this text, Joseph again, he wept before them. His brothers also came, fell down before him, and said, Behold, we are his servants. But here's what Joseph said to them. Here's a heart of surrender. Joseph said to them, Do not fear. You don't have to be afraid. He said, For am I in the place of God? And Joseph is ultimately saying, I'm just a servant of God. I'm not God. God's the one who settles the scorecard. And so Joseph is a a sign of contagious surrender in his life. Many times we ask the question, what is God's will for my life? And we're referencing that probably to a job or to a relationship or some kind of purchase. What is the will of God for my life? Well, how many of us would say, God, when it comes to this broken, strained relationship, what is your will for that relationship? I can tell you what the will of God is for that. The will of God for that relationship is forgiveness. Why? Because it's about the glory of God. When Joseph handled temptation with Potiphar's wife, did that glorify Joseph or God? It glorified God. When Joseph was in prison and interpreted dreams, did that glorify Joseph or God? Well, it glorified God when joseph has his brothers in the palm of his hands and what he's going to do with them in the area of forgiveness is that going to glorify joseph or god is going to give glory to god why because there's this contagious surrender about his life a major monumental decision but he surrendered his life to god am i in the place of god no god is god and i'm simply his servant number three spiritual maturity Joseph got his brothers in the palm of his hand, he surrendered, and then he says this, you don't have to fear, that's for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. The phrase, but God changes everything. When you look at Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, it is the Romans eight twenty-eight verse of the Old Testament. Oh, God's gonna bring good out of this situation. Yes, I could have revenge, I could have bitterness, I could have anger, I could have all those things. Do you realize we live in an angry society and culture? why so much road rage why so much violence it's because people are angry they're bitter they're resentful in life listen god has not called you and me to live angry bitter or resentful he's called us to live abundant in christ and he's called us to live free and that's what forgiveness does it sets us free in life sets us free for his glory spiritual maturity It took a spiritual, mature individual to say to those brothers, oh, what you intended evil against me, but I want you to know, but God meant it for good. Do I want this church to grow? Absolutely. Numerically, yes. Spiritually, yes. Do I want to see us worship God, love people, share Jesus, make disciples? Yes. All that comes out of a heart of spiritual maturity. How's the Lord growing you in your life? And some of you have to remember, where did your forgiveness come from? And because you've been forgiven in Christ, then you can forgive other people. Johnny and Sally, brother and sister, went out to their grandparents' house. Going to spend probably about a week. Johnny gets out there and Johnny's grandfather gives him a slingshot. He'd never had one before. Teaches him how to how to use it. So Johnny goes out in the woods and he's got rocks and he's trying to shoot targets out there in the woods. Hits zero targets. He doesn't hit a single target. He comes back to the house getting ready for lunch. Johnny gets his slingshot out. He sees his grandmother, pet duck, walking in the backyard. Johnny hasn't hit a thing, so he takes a rock and he aims it toward that pet duck. Guess what happened? He hit that pet duck. Killed that pet duck, by the way, as well. That duck died. And so he panics. He doesn't know what in the world he's going to do. So he gets that pet duck and he he moves it to a woodpile and hides it, thinking nobody saw him at all. And so they have lunch. And when lunch is over, the grandmother says, Sally, I need you to help me to do the dishes. And Sally said, oh, I'm not going to do this today. Johnny wants to help you do the dishes. And she leaned over to Johnny and whispered to him, remember the duck. And Johnny knew that Sally saw him kill his grandmother's pet duck. So Johnny stayed behind and washed the dishes. So in the afternoon, the grandfather said, hey, let's go fishing. I want you all to go with me fishing. And the grandmother said, well, I really need need, need Sally to stay here and help me prepare dinner for the night because we're going to have a delicious meal. And Sally said, I'm going to get to go fishing because Johnny wants to stay and help you prepare dinner for the night. And she leaned over to Johnny and said, remember the duck. And Sally goes fishing and Johnny, he takes care of, of the evening meal. This went on day in and day in and day in. And finally, Johnny had had enough and he's worn out because he's doing his chores and all of Sally's chores. And so he goes to his grandmother and he says, Grandma, I need to make a confession. The other day, the slingshot that granddad gave me, I took a rock and I hit your pet duck and I killed your duck and I hid that duck in the wood pile. And Johnny's grandmother put her arms around him and said, Johnny, I, I love you and I forgive you But I know you killed my pet duck and I watched out the kitchen window and I saw you do it and I saw you bury the duck in the woodpile. I saw it all. But Johnny, I wondered how long you were gonna allow Sally to make you a slave to her request. Church, you and I have an enemy. He wants to make us a slave to unforgiveness, but here's what I encourage you. When he comes to you, the enemy, and he whispers in your ear, remember the duck, I would just encourage you to say him, remember the cross. That's where you were defeated at jesus christ there's victory in jesus he shed his blood he gave his life for you and me you and i don't have to be trapped by the duck we don't have to be a slave to the enemy you and i can be victorious and free in jesus christ because of his crucifixion we have been forgiven and because of that we can forgive other people in life as well and it's all for the glory of god number three forgiveness is commanded in god's word Let me give you these uh, statements here and I want to give you two illustrations and then we're going to start. Number one, definite obligation. Is forgiveness a command or a suggestion? Well, I've already shared that with you from God's word. Forgiveness is a command. It's an obligation. An obligation just means a promise or a commitment. Let me give you some insights. July 5th, 1986, I made a commitment to Angie. I made an obligation. I was going to love her. And we shared our vows together, almost 37 years of marriage. I'm still obligated in that marriage covenant with Angie, my wife. And when I surrendered into Christian ministry, I made a commitment, an obligation to the Lord to say, Lord, I'm not going to just tickle ears with your word. I want to preach the whole counsel of God. I'm obligated to preach God's word. It's authoritative. It's an errand. It's infallible. I am a preacher of the word of God. Romans chapter 1, verse 14 says that we are obligated to have gospel conversations with people. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. We're obligated. And so when it comes to forgiveness, I realize some people would say, your stories are incredible. I just can't forgive him or I can't forgive her. I can't forgive them. But realize when it comes to forgiveness, you and I are obligated to forgive in Christ. When he gave the command, just as you have been forgiven in Christ, you are to forgive others. That is not a suggestion. It's not optional. It's the command of God's word to you and me. It is a definite obligation. Number two, painful consequences. If you go through life and you refuse to forgive people, you refuse to set people free, here are some of the consequences. Look at the first one hinders relationships how many relationships are divided and broken because of a spirit of unforgiveness number two it weakens health how many people physically emotionally mentally spiritually just not healthy and why it's a spirit of unforgiveness you're reaping the consequences of having a heart of unforgiveness number three it blocks blessings if you want to stop the blessings of God in your life, have an unforgiving spirit. Because again, it's not optional. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. But God does not prefer disobedience. He wants obedience in our lives. I went to a church one time serving there. They were divided. They were broken. I remember sitting with one of the leaders in a restaurant and asking him in the midst of the church split and all the damaged relationships, was there ever forgiveness extended to one another in Christ? and the church leader looked at me and said no forgiveness extended but a lot of fingers pointed and I said no wonder the church is struggling no wonder we're missing the blessings of God no wonder we're lacking the movement of the Holy Spirit you can't grieve or quench the Holy Spirit and be blessed of God unforgiveness will block blessings and then number four causes divisions again many relationships are divided why because of unforgiveness unforgiveness Number three, transparency matters. Somewhere you just have to come clean in life. Take the mask off. Stop pretending. Get real. Here's two things I would say. One, admit the truth. Uh, Today you may need to come and say you have a spirit of unforgiveness. And you just need to say, I need the Lord to set me free and to help me. I'm going to admit the truth. I am just not forgiving some some people in my life. I'm going to admit it. Number two, ask for help. You just need to say, Lord, I need your help today. If I'm going to forgive this person or this person or them, God, I can't do it alone. I need help. And you admit that transparency matters. And what does that mean? It may mean that um, you make a phone call. It may mean that you write a letter. It may mean you send an email. It may mean that you make a visit with somebody. It may mean that you pull up a chair and say, God, I need to have a conversation with you about somebody who's already passed away, but I need to forgive and I need to be forgiven. I need to be set free. You do that. I would never ask you to do something that I'm not willing to do myself. As I stand here in this pulpit this morning, I can think about a broken relationship in my own life. As I prayed, as I sought the face of Christ, I sent an email to someone this morning just saying I need to be open to God's leadership because I want to be obedient to him and I want the glory to go to him. We'll see what God does with that. That's in his hands. Victoria Rivolo was driving home one night Long Island. She was just a short piece from her house. And there was a group of boys who had stolen a credit card and went to a grocery store and bought a 20 pound frozen turkey. And she's almost at her house. And one of the boys, Ryan Cushing, decided from an overpass, he was going to throw this turkey at the car that was coming. 20 pound frozen turkey. He released it out of his hands it hit the car of Victoria Ruvalo, and it went through her windshield and hit her face. She was in an induced coma for about a month. She finally came to surgery after surgery after surgery after surgery. Her face severely disfigured. Every time she looked in the mirror she was reminded about that night and that turkey that came through the windshield. People in the community wanted to judge, to sentence that boy and those boys to the highest degree. The time came for the sentencing of Ryan Cushing. And so he was in the courtroom. Victoria Ruvolo was in the courtroom as well. You could just see the scars on her face. And the judge reads the sentence and he says to Ryan Cushing, who is nervous, who's anxious, who feels like probably prison is in his future. The judge says to this young man to say, I'm giving you six months probation. And there's silence in the courtroom. And then the judge says, Ms. Ruvalo wants to take the stand. She comes to the stand. She looks at Ryan Cushing, his family, other people in the courtroom. And she said to him, she said, I want you to know the six months probation was my suggestion to the judge. I want you to have the best life you can possibly have. And she looked him in the eye and she said, I want you to know these words. I forgive you. Set him free. What about you? Most of us in this room, watching around the world you've heard of a christian leader named corrie ten boom she's written some incredible works her and her sister were confined to a nazi concentration camp hiding jews trying to protect people corrie ten boom's sister died in the nazi concentration camp but corrie ten boom was severely mistreated as she was there what did her life look like then? They often went days, she went days without food and she was almost starving to death. Uh, those in authority in that concentration camp worked her hard, hard, hard in life. And there was one prison guard who would do things to a quarry boom that I'm not gonna mention, but was an embarrassment, but misused her in so many ways. That prison guard did that again and again and again. When Corrie ten Boom was released from that concentration camp she was with a group of believers and the Lord had led her to teach a message on forgiveness. She taught a message on forgiveness and she finished her Bible study and when she was there greeting people all of a sudden she looked up and she almost froze in her steps because when she looked up she saw the prison guard. and the prison guard walked up to coritan boom and said these words isn't the grace of god amazing and then coritan boom said these words i was trying to comprehend what was he saying when he said isn't the grace of god amazing and then she said he asked me these words will you forgive me Corrie Ten Boom said she was just frozen in in her tracks and said she was torn about what she was going to do. And Corrie Ten Boom said in that moment, all she, I mean, a godly lady, knew the heart of Christ and the mind of Christ. Corrie Ten Boom said she just voiced a prayer under her breast, that, Oh, God, give me the strength to respond. Here's what Corrie Ten Boom did. Prison guard who misused her, took advantage of her. Isn't the grace of God amazing? And then will you forgive me? Corrie Boom reached out her hand and put her hand in the hand of that prison guard. And she said these words to him, I forgive you. Incredible. Is that easy? Absolutely not. Is it biblical? Absolutely. Can you imagine the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ? When he was on Calvary's cross, the the humiliation, the torture, the pain, crucified for you and for me, for your sin and my sin. Do you think that was easy for the Son of God? Not at all. But he has forgiven you and me and him. Just as you have been forgiven in Christ, you forgive others. Let's bow together as we pray. How's the Holy Spirit working in your life? I want to encourage you, if you need to know Christ, you're in the room somewhere around the world. The only way you're going to be forgiven is because you turn from your sin. You trust Jesus Christ to be your Savior. He'll save you today if you'll call on his name. Call on the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. If you need to be baptized we encourage you to follow in obedience to Christ you want to join the fellowship of this church we encourage you obey the leadership of Christ God's calling you in the Christian ministry and you want to surrender him we encourage you to obey the leadership of Christ who is it in your life you need to forgive who do you need to say I forgive you or who do you need to say will you forgive me Maybe it's somebody in this room right now. Maybe you need to come to this altar and just get on your knees, your face, or pray with one of our prayer warriors or just by yourself to say, God, I need to forgive somebody. I need to ask for forgiveness. There have been issues in the life of this church over the years. Have you asked people to forgive you of the hurt, of the wounds, of the pain that may still be there? If we're going to see the blessing of God, then we need to have a spirit of, of forgiveness in life. What about you? Family member, friend, somebody in this church, somebody in your workplace, somebody you know. Who do you need to forgive? To look out in the eye and say, I forgive you. Doesn't make it right, doesn't justify it. Sets you free and sets that person free. What about you? Who do you need to forgive? Who do you need to say, will you forgive me? We can do that because of the blood of Jesus. So Father, This morning in this invitation, I've just sought to share, God, from your word, what you've laid on my heart to share. And I pray that we would live a life of forgiveness, not unforgiveness. We'd be set free. And, God, we'd set other people free as the Holy Spirit leads as well. I pray this altar to be filled with people who need to make decisions. I pray even if there's somebody in this room that would go to and say, I need you to forgive me or I need to ask for forgiveness, I pray that would happen as well. It's all for your glory. It's commanded in Scripture. It's dear to your heart, God. And give us the courage to obey you right now because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand together and sing, church. You respond this morning as the Holy Spirit leads. Let's sing together.